Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Romans 7 and 23, I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, body of this death. And then he answers his own question. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And then Matthew chapter 6, one verse, verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, else he'll hold to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And today, for just a little while, I want to preach to you on this subject, offering my unconditional surrender. Offering my unconditional surrender. You may be seated. In case you haven't noticed, there's a war going on. The war is going on in you. It's going on around you. And it's in your members. It's in the members of your flesh. It's in the members of the congregation. It's in the membership of the American citizenship. It's in the citizenship of the entire world. It's going on. Hate is at an all-time high, but so is love. And I offer, this, offer you this this morning, no matter how bad you think it is, God will keep ratcheting up the grace. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. So I'm offering you something positive today. Oh man, the world is so terrible. Oh, it's all, yeah, it is. But God is great and greatly to be praised. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and there is freedom and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Don't lose hope. Grab faith. Hang on. God is with us. Hallelujah. I've also learned some things. I know you like, you like to hear some quotes once in a while. Here's one that I had a few years ago that I think even fits today. Hate needs a crowd, but love can stand alone. Do you ever notice that? I, I was in a situation the other day. My, I, I was visiting someone in the hospital. This was a major hospital in Milwaukee. And it's such a hassle to get to a room and visit anybody. I mean, they make it very difficult. And while I, I had to stand in this long line and show my identification and answer all these questions, when I finally got to the beginning, they said, well, you're not on the list. So you got to call up and get on the list, and then you got to get back in line. And so I had to go through this process, and I was a little frustrated. 
And then finally, when I got up to the front of the line for a second time, somebody in the, in the area started arguing with somebody else. And pretty soon, people were all screaming and shouting at the police, and it turned into a small riot right there in the, in the foyer of that hospital, and nobody could go anywhere. The police shut it down. You couldn't leave the building. You couldn't go to the room you wanted to visit. And I thought, there it is again. Hate needs a crowd. We got to have a spectacle. But I'm here to tell you that law and order will prevail. There will be a time for justice. And we just need to hang on to God and trust him in all matters. But it is going to be more and more difficult for you to get on one side or the other. There's going to be no gray area. It's going to be black or it's going to be white. That's the way it's going to be. And you're going to have to get on one side or the other. You can't serve two masters. I remember hearing about a man who said, you know, I, I, I don't know about this civil war thing. I don't think I want to fight. And I think I've come up with a way to avoid getting in a skirmish. So he bought himself a pair of Yankee pants and a Confederate shirt. But the Yankee shot him in the shirt and the Confederate shot him in the pants. You're gonna have to get on one side or the other. It's light or it's darkness. It's God or it's Satan. It's sin or it's holiness. Take your pick, but get on one side or the other. There's no place worse than being in a crossfire. Somebody said amen. And I appreciated the song I heard today, Jehovah Nissi. Lord, you reign in victory. I'm talk, I want to talk about a victor. I, I don't know about you, but I like winning. I like winning at 13. <laughs> I try not to be a bad loser, but God's still working on me. But if you don't care, I hear people say, well, it's just a game. Hey, I got a suggestion for you. Play solitaire or something, okay? <laughs> or tiddlywinks or something. I like winning. Don't you? I like winning. And you know what? I read the back of this book. And it says, we win. We win, we win, hallelujah, we win. I read the back of the book and we win. So if you want to be on the winning side, line up with Jesus. Because he's going to win. And if you're with him, you win. And if you're not, you're a loser now and you'll be a loser then. Praise God. Listen to the words of the victor here. I, can I share this with you? Jesus was not a martyr. Nobody took his life. He gave his life. He gave his life for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? which you have of God, and you are not, pay attention now, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, 
glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Sounds to me like we are the purchased possession of God. We are the purchased possession of God. That makes him the victor. Jehovah Nissi, Lord, you reign in victory. Victory. You reign in victory. Take a look at Revelations chapter one and verse 17. When I saw him, this is what's gonna happen to you when you see Jesus. I fell as a, at his feet as dead and he laid his right hand upon me saying unto me, fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore, amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. You know what those are? They are the spoils of victory, the keys. They are the spoils of victory. Do you know what the church is? The spoils of victory. To the victor goes the spoils. Now let me see if I can drive this drive this point home to you. The only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is when you will surrender to the victor. When, that's all that matters. Not if, you will surrender. Oh, you want scripture. Okay, let me give you scripture for what I just said. Philippians chapter two and verse eight, being found in fashion as a man, and here's a good lesson for us. He humbled himself. If you don't do it, somebody else will do it for you. But you will humble, be humbled. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee, not just one either, Every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. Creatures are in outer space, doesn't matter. They're all going to be bowing down. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's only a question of when. It is not a question of if. We would be wise to humble ourselves, bend our knees, and offer our unconditional surrender to the victor today. We would be wise if we would do that. An unconditional surrender today. Now here's something about the victor that you need to understand. When the battle reaches a point, when the losses are severe, one of the two sides can raise up a white flag and under a white flag, they can approach their enemy in safety and they can sit down together and talk about terms of surrender. Terms of surrender. So let's make an example. Let's say that, that one side is they've lost a lot of people and, and 
property, etc. And so they decide, you know, I think we've just about had enough. So I'm going to take my white flag into their camp and I'm going to talk to them about terms of surrender. Now, because you're under the white flag, you get to speak first. And so you say, well, here's, here's the deal. This, this war is not going good for us. Maybe we need to surrender. But here's what we're willing to give up. Here's what we're willing to give to you as the victor. But we want to keep these things for ourselves. So what you're doing is to what will eventually be the victor, you are dictating terms of surrender. I could go to God right now and say, God, I make you a promise. I will never eat liver again. That's not a sacrifice. I hate liver. I'm never going to eat it again anyway. That's not a sacrifice. But that's what some of us do with God. You know, Lord, I think I'll give up drinking. Well, you haven't been drinking. Lord, I promise you I won't take drugs. Well, you haven't been on drugs. Those are not surrender points. Those are not terms of surrender. But we see, we think, we think sometimes that even though we're losing this battle, even though our marriage is in turmoil, our finances are a wreck, our family is scattered, we got all kinds of problems, we think that we can go to God and dictate terms of surrender. And we can't. We can't. I remember this happened when I first started coming to church. I, I was contemplating, what a, boy, this is a pretty major decision I'm making here. This is a life-changing decision. <clears throat> and it was a Sunday morning. And I'm looking in the mirror and I'm, I'm having this conversation with myself. You know, you know what? I know I need to go to the altar and I need to get right with God. And, but you know, there are some things I enjoy and, and, and I'm not sure if God approves them of them or not, but I, but I still enjoy them. And I looked in the mirror and I said, you know what? Rick, you've done a pretty poor job of being Lord of your life. The reason you have the problems you have are because you have been in charge. And look where it's got you. I couldn't even blame God. It was me. So you know what I did? I looked at Rick Kiley in the mirror and I said, buddy, you're fired. And Lord, whatever you want, whatever's left. Like Brother E said on Wednesday night, I'm all in. I'm all in. Push all the chips to the center of the table. I'm all in. See, we can't dictate terms of surrender to God. We can't. That would make us God. That would make us the victor. Jesus is the victor. Somebody said amen. Jesus is the victor. And he gets to dictate the terms of surrender. Now, he can say whatever he wants to say. He's the victor. 
But there comes a point when the victor has every right to say this, I will only accept your unconditional surrender. No exceptions. If you are not willing to unconditionally surrender to me, take your white flag, go back to your camp, and the war will continue. Is anybody preaching with me today? If you're not willing to accept my terms, which are unconditional surrender, take your flag, go back to your camp, and the war will continue. And it will continue until you accept my terms or you die. Your choice. Oh, that's pretty harsh. Where's the mercy and grace in that? There is none. Do you know what the first step in the plan plan of salvation is? Unconditional surrender. It's called repentance. Oh no, you first you have to believe. Okay, come on. You know what I'm talking about here. That's why repentance is so vital and so important. I, I'm, I'm all in on this born of the water and born of the spirit necessary for salvation. But I think sometimes we're just a little bit too light on the repentance part. I think that we skip the unconditional terms of surrender And we say, well, you know, you you don't have to give this up. You don't have to give that up. And you can do this and you can do that. And and God will look the other way. And no, he won't. It's either unconditional surrender or you haven't surrendered. Unconditional surrender means you own nothing. Nothing? Nothing. You don't own you. You don't own your spouse. You don't own your children. You don't own your home. You don't own your vehicles. You don't own your finances. You don't own your food. You don't own your clothing. You don't own anything. And whatever you have is given to you because God is gracious. Pretty quiet in here. And if you accept those terms of surrender... The master, the king, may say, all right, now that you belong to me, sir, you will work in the field. Ma'am, you will work in my house. Your children, they'll all have assigned tasks. But now you're working for me. Now I'm your master. And you don't own anything. Pretty quiet in here. You don't own anything. You know, they say that if a, if, if a man walks before his master, he is his servant. 
If a man walks behind his master, he is a slave. But if he walks beside his master, he is a friend. Where are you? Where are you? You know, we, we start out, I know this is a, is, a, is a harsh word, but I just can't think of a better one. We start out as slaves. We come to God with this unconditional surrender, this submissive attitude that says, hey, whatever you say, whatever you want, I'm gonna do it. Well, that sounds like a slave to me. But if you're a good slave, you can be promoted. How about Joseph? What did he start out as? He was a slave. And then pretty soon he was reigning reigning in Potiphar's house, right? He became a servant. Eventually, he even became a friend to Potiphar. See the progression that comes with the proper attitude after the unconditional surrender? Hmm. But here's an advantage. There's a, there's a huge advantage to being under the master in this unconditional surrender. Now he takes care of everything. I mean, if I'm his property, if I have of any value to him, well, he needs to take care of my health. He needs to feed me. He needs to provide shelter for me. He needs to clothe me. I have to be strong and healthy to, to even be a slave. So he feels an obligation for taking care of his property that came from the victory of his spoils. Now I belong to him. And woe be to you if you come against what belongs to him. Woe be to you. Because you are important to him. There is a relief and a release in being under his care. Listen to this verse of scripture in Philippians chapter 4 and 19. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Supply all my needs? Yes, all your needs. All your needs. Aren't you glad to have a God like that who supplies all your needs? See, I, I believe that the number one problem we have is that we just have a real hard time surrendering. Do you know why people have such a struggle in receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Or know why? Because you can't fill a full vessel. If I stood here with a, a clear glass of, uh, let's say it was Kool-Aid, so it had color to it. If I stood here with a glass of Kool-Aid and it was full to the brim, I couldn't put any more in it. It would just spill over the sides, right? Because the glass is already full. But if I want to fill that glass with Diet Dr. Pepper, I first have to turn the glass over 
and empty out what is previously in it. And because I don't like Kool-Aid, I would also wash the glass. And then I would flip it right side up and leave the mouth of the glass. Come on, somebody preach with me. I would leave the mouth of the glass open so that I could pour the ice-cold diet Dr. Pepper in it, which is the drink that I would prefer. I just gave you the plan of salvation. Snuck right up on you, didn't I? When you turn that glass over and you empty it out, that's repentance. When you're baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins, that's washing the glass out. And when you leave the mouth open and you wait for what comes next and God fills you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he's got his diet, Dr. Pepper. And he drinks from it and he keeps it full and he shares it with other people that like diet, Dr. Pepper. It's that simple, folks. It's really that simple. Empty, wash, and be filled. Let all the house of Israel know assuredly, Acts 2.36, God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, the victor, the victor. He's both Lord and he's Christ. And neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's the only name that can wash away your sins. It's not a martyr, it's a giver that gave his life and his blood for you. And when they heard this, and hopefully when you've heard this message, they were pricked in their heart and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Let me make sure you understand how important this unconditional surrender is. So Peter said, all right, you're willing to do anything. Here's what you need to do. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So he does not discriminate against anyone. No color, no position, no race, none of that. It's to you, your children, those that are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but calleth all men, calleth all men or all of mankind from everywhere to unconditional surrender. Let's stand together. Exodus chapter 21 Here's where I'm stopping today. Jesus was a master at telling parables. He would take things that they were familiar with and he would say, I'm gonna teach you the law and a biblical principle 
from something that you are familiar with. And that's what I want to do today in inviting you to this altar and reading this short passage with you. I want you to be able to see this, not only this law, but this parable. The master, I'm gonna point the characters out. The master is Jesus. The slave is you and your family. The house is the church of Jesus Christ. And you get to become either the servant or possibly even the friend of God. You ready? Let's read it together. Exodus 21 and 1. Now these are the judgment which you will set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, six years he will serve. And in the seventh year, he goes out free for nothing. You have to release him. If he came in by himself into the master's house, then he goes out by himself. If he came in married, his wife will go out with him. But if his master is the one that gave him a wife and she has borne him sons or daughters, then the wife and her children shall be her masters while he goes out by himself. But here's the best part. Because we were slaves for a while, but now we get to make a choice. But if the servant, verse five, will plainly say, I love my Jesus. I love my wife. I love my children. I don't want to leave my master's house. I'm not leaving here free. I'm staying right where I belong. And when the master hears that, he will bring him under the judges and he'll bring him to the door or under the doorpost and his master shall bore his ear with an awl and he will serve him forever. You know, I came into this church as a slave. I served for a while, but then I got to make a decision. I could leave if I wanted to. But I thought, you know, I've lived in the world. There's no going back. Going back to what? Going back to walking and saying, I'm just walking my hangover off this morning. Is that the way I want to live? Here I am. I'm not, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to appear to be self-righteous. I'm out on our prayer walk while this guy's walking off a hangover. See any difference? Lord, I love you. I love your house. I love being the bride. I love the children of God. 
I don't want to leave this house. Your house is my house. I'm going to stay here forever till I die, till they carry me out. This is my home. And he says, you've made a good choice. And he puts me up against the doorpost, sticks a little awl in the lobe of my ear, drives a hole in it. There's a mark on my ear that reminds me of my choice. And everybody that sees me says, that man's not a slave. That man is a love servant. He serves because he loves. He listens, that's why he chose the ear. He listens to what his master tells him to do. And he lives a life of unconditional surrender. Jesus, thank you for allowing me to preach this message. I pray that you get the response that you want and that you deserve. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.